CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in with us as Don Cash and myself talk about investing, finance, and retirement. And we are back with our first show of the year. And you know, we took a little bit of a break here, a little bit of an extended break just to kind of uh, get our bearings reset and get going and so on and so forth. But as always, if you have any questions or concerns as we go through the podcast, you hear something that piques your interest, don't forget to reach out to Don before you take any action at 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183 or stop by doncashpodcast.com. And speaking of, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Hey, Mark, how are you? All is well here. And, uh, you know, we were talking off the air, and I have to say this. I have to hand it to you again, Mark. Okay, what I do? On the show we had at the end of last year, when everyone was looking forward to the clock striking midnight <laughs> to ring in the new year of 2021, you said, Mark said, let's not put too much pressure on the year 2021, Don, <laughs> thinking that it would be a rosy start to the year, yeah, right? So. Yeah. Boy, Mark, were you ever right again? Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, I just, it, it's kind of common sense, right? Everybody was super excited to get the old year over with and get into the new one. And I get it. But I was like, you know, we're all, we all knew we were going to have some remnants and leftovers of things happening. And it was just like, be careful because if you put too much pressure on it, you're just going to let, you know, yourself down. You're going to, the year's not going to feel as great as you wanted it to. And granted, we got a long way to go. But, uh, it's certainly one of those things. And of course, it's not been off to a great start, but it is what it is. Like I said, we got a long time to go. The last time we spoke, you said that since you worked almost every week without a break in 2020, you were going to take a little bit of a break, which is why we're doing our first show really at late January here of the new year. So how was that time off? Well, you know, it was uh, it was a time that I planned for uh, refreshing and restarting the new year. Yeah. But um, you know what? Taking off the first two weeks of this year, I was telling my wife this. It was kind of like um, reminds me of that movie Airplane. I'm not sure if you <laughs> love remember Airplane. that old movie. Yes, they're great. So Leslie Nielsen is the pilot, right? Right. And he's in this stressful situation because the, they're concerned about the plane going down. And he keeps on coming up with these funny lines like, I think I picked the, the wrong week to quit drinking. Right, right. right yeah. I think I picked the wrong week to uh, stop doing drugs. I picked <laughs> the wrong week to... Stop sniffing airplane glue. Yeah. I stopped <laughs> sniffing airplane glue. Yeah. Right. I was like, oh my goodness. I think I picked the wrong uh, week and a half or two weeks to, to take off. But I guess there's never any perfect time. Uh, uh, to take off and take a respite, right? No, there really isn't. Uh, such a funny movie. I figured it was going to be the Don't Call Me Shirley bit, you know, but uh, <laughs> surely you must be joking. No, I'm not, but Don't Call Me Shirley. So, yeah, it's a great movie, but, well, obviously we've seen, you know, just vaccine overload here uh, in the first part of the year. It seems like uh, the frontline workers have received their vaccine. Uh, my business partner, his wife's a nurse. She got hers. Everyone else is kind of rushing to sign up for it. There are signs up at CVS and different places. No, you can't get your shot here and so on and so forth. And a lot of people just want to get this done to get back to a sense of normalcy in their lives and be able to visit family and travel and all that kind of stuff. What are you seeing with your clients, Don? And, and what do you see occurring economically uh, on the other side of these vaccines? Well, just to, to uh, reiterate your pun, surely there's a rush to get <laughs> vaccines here in New Jersey as well. And, you know, currently the goal here in New Jersey, I'm sure it's the same as in, in almost all states, is to get 70% of the adult population vaccinated in, in uh, about half a year, six okay. months or so. Right. 
you know, as you stated, most of the healthcare workers, uh, long-term care residents, first responders like police and firefighters have gotten vaccinated. They call this group uh, 1A here mm. in New Jersey. And I have clients and colleagues that fall into this group that are doctors and nurses, people work in the hospitals and such. And sure. you know, next up is what they call the, the 1B group. And those are people over the age of 65 or those, uh, I guess, between 18 and 65 who are deemed to be at uh, a high health risk. You know, that almost sounds like the Southwest uh, lines for the airplane they used to do, right? They would do the seating, one, one A, you know, right. or the grouping of 1A, and it was this many rows, and then 1B, and it was this many rows. Uh, yeah, it's one of those interesting things. I haven't, I don't know exactly what we're doing here because I don't fall into either one of those categories. Like I said, I know uh, some friends who have, who do work in the hospitals that they've gotten theirs. I would imagine that seniors are probably next. No, absolutely. I'm seeing that with clients of mine who are uh, signing up for their slots or trying to sign up. Apparently, there's a big backlog. You know, whenever you create like a a website, we went through this years ago with the Obamacare websites, (laughs) uh, is that you're going to have like a mass rush of people trying to fill slots and there's just, you know, too much demand and uh, not enough supply. So, you know, this is the, the 1B group. So I guess you and I probably fall into like, uh, group 99Z, right? <laughs> well, I technically, I don't know, as a heart patient, I might be a little higher up there on that That's list. True. I don't know. But yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. Though. There's certainly, who knows how many categories there are, right? Yeah, I, I, I just know of right now 1B, and uh, I guess there's 1C after that. But you know, I think we're already seeing some of the benefits, Mark, of the first round of vaccinations. Sure. Um, as we record this show, something like 25 million doses of vaccine have been administered in uh, which is you know less than ten percent of the population, right. but the number of the virus cases I noticed, and we talked about this off air, has dropped significantly here in the United States and in much of the developed world. And you know it may not be entirely due to the vaccine. I mean, there's herd immunity factors uh, with people already who had exposure and who have recovered, and we're getting toward the end, the tail end of the cold and virus season. But, uh, you know, these are all encouraging signs. And I mentioned to you as well, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my own experience with the concern we had in our family and then actions that we took uh, to be prepared Mm. before we were uh, vaccinated. Uh, My son, maybe about a month or so ago, this was during the holidays, was ill and we had to set up a time to get him tested. And, you know, a lot of people have gone through this. It's not a an easy process, particularly during yeah. the holidays, to get a test. You had to wait in line four hours, and you had to go into a clinic, and you know there was there was the exposure that you possibly had in the clinic with uh, with people who are ill. So we got my son a test, and he was negative. Sure enough, he had the both the rapid and the PCR test. But it got me thinking that there's got to be a better way to do this than than you know going to a clinic or going someplace where there's a lot of sick people. So. What we did, Mark, was we ordered um, a bunch of these rapid in-home tests. Uh, are you familiar with these? I'm not. No, as you, you briefly mentioned it to me before we started, and I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah, so apparently about a month or so ago, this is right around the time my son became ill, Abbott Labs and a couple of others uh, started marketing these rapid in-home tests mm, yeah. that you could keep uh, on hand in case you felt that there was a need to take a test. So. It, it works much like a pregnancy test, Mark, where you get the results <laughs> in uh, 
by 10 or 15 minutes. And a couple of them we ordered. One was from Abbott Labs. The other one was a, a different lab, but it was a, a little finger prick uh, blood test. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And it gave you the results of if you were positive for the um, for COVID or you were positive for antibodies. So if you have some exposure over the past, I guess, few months to COVID. So gotcha. it, it gave you some, I guess, level of comfort. I mean, one could say you should still go get a PCR test just to confirm it, which is, you know, I, I can understand. But, you know, with kids, at least if you have kids in your house or if you're around people that uh, that bring it into the house, these kids are always getting sick, Mark, you know, with, right. with oh, yeah. sniffles and with, you know, flu-like symptoms. And uh, in this case, it wasn't, it wasn't a virus. But we thought, you know, this would be good to have this in the house. We have both of them we ordered just to have at hand. You know, if we need it in a pinch, we can keep it. We can travel with it. We could have it. And uh, both of these companies, you know, basically you buy it either individually or in a package deal. So you know, if you buy more, you get a lower price. So, uh, you know, this is something I think that um, is going to be the future of people likely testing, right? So I think even Governor Cuomo mentioned this a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. If we can get these rapid in-home tests, it could be, a, you know, a real game changer. So someone may not even think they're ill. It shows up positive, right? And they can get a confirmation of a PCR if they want to, but it keeps them out of the house, out of the office. And I'll, I'm telling you, it, it, this kind of thing could save many, many lives. Yeah, I mean, and the opposite side as well, right? If you're if you're feeling bad and it just winds up being just a regular cold or flu, uh, you can kind of also get that peace of mind and that little bit of confirmation there. Whenever if it comes back negative, to not have to go through that, you know, the clinic process and so on and so forth because you've already gotten that response that it was negative. So that sounds like, you know, a, a pretty good idea there. And it certainly sounds like something that we'll probably keep hearing more and more about uh, as time goes on. And so, Don, if you've gotten a couple of those things, maybe we should throw some links up for our listeners and stuff in that case they want to check it out. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I'll, uh, we'll do the links um, once we post the podcast. Okay, yeah. So let's talk about the economic side of this with the post-vaccine economy. Uh, we're still getting, you know, half the, you know, which is, I think, always the case, isn't it? Half the pundits say, you know, a market crash is coming, and the other half say, I see 12 to 15 months of growth. So how does this factor into planning for the remainder of this year? Which, again, let's not put too much pressure on it, right? But what should we be looking at for, because uh, we got a long way to go here in 2021. Well, we know the history of prognostications, Mark, uh, right? For sure. And there's an old saying that uh, economists have predicted 15 of the past three recessions. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I like so, that. So there's always people that are doom and gloom sayers. But, you know, it seems like many people in my circle of relationships, Mark, you know, clients, family, friends, colleagues can't wait to get back to some semblance of normalcy mm -hmm. so they can visit kids and grandkids and you know, travel and go out to eat at restaurants and other activities that contribute to the, you know, the overall quality of life. But when that happens, we see different segments of the economy starting to flourish again, and it gets reflected in, uh, in stock market valuations. So for example, since the announcement of this Pfizer vaccine a couple months ago after election day, you know, the so-called what they call value stocks like uh, Pfizer, uh, as an example, or, or Chevron, or Merck, or United Airlines, AT&T, bank stocks have done really exceptionally well and may very well continue to do well in the future. Hmm. 
Yeah, I would think that uh, that would make th- – we saw a big boom. We even saw things like some of the um, uh, cruise ships even had an initial kind of spike right. for a few days here and there once the vaccine information was come, uh, you know, brought to light. And we've talked about that before. Now, what about the high flyers, the tech stuff, as we continue to go – you know, the FANG stocks, you know, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, even Tesla. Obviously, Tesla's just gone through the roof as well. Uh, these are growth stocks often. So they're still shining, right? Is that still some kind of something that we, we should be looking at? Well, you know, they, they shine for a while, okay. right? Until something happens, right? So, you know, they, they've done very well, at, particularly in the pandemic. Right, true. But as we mentioned, we're not going to have a pandemic forever. Uh, <laughs> if you remember 20 years ago, just as an example, many of these uh, so-called high flyer stocks back then were the likes of Enron and Yahoo and uh, WorldCom and a company that called Pets.com. Do you remember that company? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they all crashed hard when the bubble burst. And you know, at, at that point, um, after the year 2000, the Nasdaq index, which recently has been soaring, and it was back then too, went down 80 percent from the high and you know now it seems like uh, particularly since november we seem to have a shift from these so-called growth stocks uh, back to the so-called value stocks which historically have done or better anyway the value stocks as opposed to the growth stocks mm-hmm. so keep in mind that that the price of a stock is a very important measure obviously right so right. the price uh, earnings ratio of a company like Tesla you mentioned before sure is 1700 okay okay so that means that's the ratio of the price compared to their earnings the price earnings ratio of Toyota another auto company is 15 oh wow <laughs> so you have to ask yourself do you think Tesla is worth 100 times more than Toyota and we see far more Toyotas on the road than Teslas right you know it's driven and one thing is you notice about cars i mean my neighbor has a tesla mm-hmm. and then you know or if you buy a tesla a blue tesla which is what he has for okay, example right don't you notice that once you buy a blue tesla oh you see more Toyota, yeah you see them everywhere yeah yeah right it's like i never realized how many people thought like me yeah. I, i'll get the yeah, i'll get this car because nobody has it and then it's everywhere you turn Yes, exactly. But now the Tesla stocks of the world and others that you mentioned, it's often driven by a demand for what's hot and anticipation of even more demand. You know, it's a a lot like real estate. I mean, you know, I'm sure you're experiencing this real estate boom, right? Mm -hmm, Right. We are here for sure in New Jersey. I think a lot of it's uh, based upon what's going on in New York City with the early part of the pandemic hitting there and people wanting to move out and want more space. Right. But in New York City, pre-pandemic mark real estate prices were going nothing but straight up in the year 2000 the average new york city condo was four hundred thousand dollars wow okay pre-pandemic a year and a half ago Mm -hmm, was three million (laughs) dollars so people just believed the price would always go up until until what well, until obviously something catastrophic happens, I guess, right? You know, you see something like this and uh, people are still moving to the country. You know, it's really interesting that you bring that up. I just was driving by something in Raleigh not too long ago and it was $300,000 for, I think, starting at 300000 for a condo. And I thought to myself, that's just crazy. But then hearing you say $3 million, you know, like 18 months or so ago in New York City is, I mean, which I figured, but it's still just kind of mind-blowing to hear. And I guess that 
really gets us back to just diversification. We talk about that all the time, right? The market reacts to the news. The news is unpredictable. So the markets are unpredictable. And everything's topsy-turvy. It, like it doesn't, nothing seems to make rhyme or reason right now. You know what, Mark? It's true. Okay. The, the point about things being topsy-turvy and unpredictable. Right. But the, the point is, when has it not been that way? Okay. Fair point. We look back and, and I was reading a book. I'm not sure if it was the Habits book I read or some other book recently that people remember the good things, right? They remember <laughs> the normal. Right. They don't remember the the uh, crises of the past and you know when i bring this up to clients about every year every period of time there's there is a new crisis of some sort they say oh yeah remember that we had the arab oil embargo then we had the uh, the uh, hostage crisis then we had the real estate uh, bubble then we had the 1987 bubble then we had right. the iran war then we had this you know panic then we had you know, SARS Cove one in 2003. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then we had, right. So we, it's easy to, re, to like reflect in things that were normal quote unquote in the past, but you know, you're absolutely right that the news is, is unpredictable and the markets are unpredictable. So it gets back to that point you mentioned about diversification. Mm -hmm. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, stick to the rules, which is diversify, rebalance, stay disciplined. And, uh, you know, again, what you said about the news is perfectly accurate. It's unpredictable, which means you can't control it. And by the way, as an aside, Mark, mm. much of the important information in the newspaper is on page 19, <laughs> not on the headline. Very true. Yes. <laughs> For those who, uh, of us who actually read newspapers, who right. don't read news on their phone. Well, but, even, yeah, even on your phone, right? Most people just read the headlines and not the actual story. Exactly. And it's, you know, you, you read into the newspaper, and, I, and I'm not sure if this equates well with uh, with uh, the phone or the internet. But the, the, you know, you read about international news, for example, right, or about some development in a technology. It's not on page one because it's kind of a boring story. So we can't control the headlines, but we need to focus on what we can control, and that's really what good planning is all about, right? It starts with thinking about what you're thinking about, right? <laughs> it might sound weird. Think about what you're thinking about and you know, think about the things that you can control. All right. So then what should we be thinking about as we start this new year? Uh, I mean, that's a great point and it's a really interesting way of looking at it. So we got a long way to go in 2021, as I mentioned. So what are some things maybe we should be thinking about? Well, January, you know, New Year is always a good time for resolutions and reflection. And I always think January is particularly a good time for two things, Mark. One is organization. And the other is mapping out your desires for the coming year. So simply when it comes to getting organized, it would be things like, you know, in January, have a good method to file your 1099 forms, the W-2 forms that you get at the end of the year, particularly the 1099 forms. You know, many of us get scores of 1099 forms. You have to have a good method for organizing this and making sure that you can compile it and forward it to your CPA. Getting a good a summary of your account values as of December 31st of the prior year, it's a good starting point. It's also important for knowing your required minimum distributions for IRAs. If you remember, Mark, we talked about that last year. Right. There was no distribution requirement for people on their IRAs if they hit a certain age. This year, that goes back to the old rule where people are forced to take money out of their IRA if they're over age 72. So you have to know your December 31st balance. So getting that 
known ASAP of all your IRA accounts and your other accounts too. It's a good idea. And evaluate your, the other point is evaluate the need mark to update legal documents. This is an area, whether it's January or throughout the year, people are, are just chronically negligent on this, you know, reviewing the will, power of attorney, healthcare directive, all these other ancillary documents, the beneficiary forms, how it flows. You know, when I review beneficiary forms, Mark, you know what I see? I imagine a lot of times that you've got something that's incorrect because people just don't think about changing them. You know what? Hmm. There's a line from a movie. Mm -hmm. It says, I see dead people. <laughs> that's that's it's strange, but funny. But I get, yeah, definitely, because people, they, they've listed somebody, maybe that person's passed on, they just never thought about changing it. I'll tell you an example from my own uh, personal situation. Sure. My wife and I, uh, when we got married, bought a life insurance policy. This is many, many years ago. And it, it wasn't a big policy. It wasn't, you know, we have policies in, in trusts, and but this was a small policy. And the beneficiary was myself, right? It's before we had kids. Mm-hmm, right. And the contingent beneficiary were her parents who were deceased. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just noticed this in my review of the beneficiary forms with our documents. I know this was you know, a smaller life insurance policy. It wasn't really significant in terms of the scope of our planning. So we never got that much attention. But that's the kind of thing, you know, it's, it was not a, a significant oversight. But when you have an IRA, right, a big life insurance policy, mm-hmm. you know, beneficiaries in, uh, in trusts, this is something that needs to be reviewed. The other point, if you made a charitable contribution last year from your IRA, really, you have to make sure that your CPA knows about this. Just speaking to a client today, he made a contribution from his IRA, shows up on a 1099. It's not taxable. The accountant needs to know this to make sure that they account for it properly. So that's a couple of points. In regard to mapping out the 2021 plans, you know, where you want to be, let's say on December 31st, 2021. Mm-hmm. And I hope you don't tell me, Mark, let's not put too much pressure on <laughs> I hope I don't have to say that again. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we have to say, okay, where are we now? Right. Where do you want to be on December 31st? And what steps do we need to take to get there, right? How do we fill in the gap? So it could be preparing for a big event. It could be preparing for uh, a retirement, right? It could be um, that you have to, you want to hire a new advisor, planning a move, uh, purchasing a second home, uh, grandkids going into college. So I realize that in the world of retirement planning, Mark, there's literally a million little things that need to be addressed. And, you know, and a good part of the value of a strong relationship with a trusted advisor is knowing those little things are, are taken care of. They're covered. If you have that relationship, you can focus on the big picture of your dreams and ambitions and know that the blind spots are covered. No, that's a great point. I think because a lot of times we want to get to, we get email questions and things. People say, you know, I, I do a pretty good job managing my investments. Do I really need an advisor? Things of that nature. And it's like, yeah, but what do you want to do with your time in retirement? What's your time worth to you? So really sitting down and working with a, 
a good advisor can certainly help you go a long way. And as always, if you need to talk with Don, if you have some questions or concerns, and really you should talk with an advisor before you take any action on something here on this podcast or any other, you can have that 15-minute consultation and conversation with Don. It's no cost or obligation, so give him a jingle at 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183. And you can have that conversation with Don. He is a CPA and a CFP, a certified financial planner at Donald W. Cash & Associates. So give him a call, 800-664-1183. 1183. As I said, you can have that complimentary 15-minute consultation and conversation. You can also stop by the main website, which is donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com or our podcast site, which is doncashpodcast.com. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to Your Money and Your Life. Uh, You can get it on Apple, Google, Spotify, so on and so forth. And Don, that's going to do it for us this week, my friend. But uh, glad to have you back. I'm glad you had a good time and look forward to some more shows coming. And Mark, surely we look forward to a better 2021 and brighter days ahead. Absolutely, but don't call me Shirley. And we'll see you next time here on Your Money and Your Life. Thanks for your time, folks. We'll catch you very soon here on the podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.